Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. I have a question. Have you ever tried to help God out on a particular situation in your life? Have you ever really tried? Now, again, everybody kind of goes, uh-huh, sure, yeah, amen. But I was thinking about this, and I was like, I mean, like, you didn't just offer your opinion. Like, hey, God, this is what I see. Maybe you'll do this. This will be cool. Hey, thumbs up. Let's do this. But have you really tried to help God, and you really, well, you manipulated the situation in order to bring about what you thought the Lord wanted or what you thought he had said. Now, again, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know you guys are Wednesday nighters, and so the Wednesday nighter group is just even more holy. So I get this. But I think we all have at one time or another. I think we all said, Lord, listen, if you just see things from my perspective, if you'll just do what I think... I can't tell you how many times I've looked back in my life and I thought, God, just do this, this, this is going down, this is perfect, this is all going to work out, God. And then God starts doing different things. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then, and then, and then six months or a year later, I'm like, oh, thank God you didn't do it how I saw. You have a better plan. Guys, in our story tonight, it goes beyond helping God out. It goes beyond just giving an opinion. It borders the line of dysfunction. You go, what do you mean? Let me take you back, guys, down memory lane for just a moment. I want to see you. I want to help you see why this is going down in Genesis 27 and, 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 and where and why and how this all happened. Now, remember, it all started when the boys, right? Jacob, Jacobo, and Esau, they were in the womb. It all started when they were in the room, and Rebecca is going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, something's not right. And we pick up the story, if you will, in Genesis 25. Let me just read it to you. It says, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea. Now we know that it was, it was what, 20 years later. We're praying. God answers. Thank you, Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. God answers prayer. And his wife conceived, but the children struggled within her. And she said to the Lord, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went and she inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, notice the Lord is speaking. Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. That's what God says. In verse 24, so her days were fulfilled. She gave birth. Indeed, they were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. And so they called his name Harry. That's what Esau means, Harry. He came out, ah, I could imagine. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took the hold of Esau's heel, so they called his name Jacobo, Jacob, the heel catcher, heel supplanter, okay? Jacob in the womb is going, no, 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 no. I should go first. Wait a minute, right? So it's all struggling. Here's where it starts in the womb. Here's where it starts in the room, right? And so this is where it started right here. You've got this inner struggle between uh, Jacob and Esau, and it starts right here. Well, the next encounter we see moving on, right? Round two, ding, right? It's when the boys get older. 
One day Esau was out hunting and apparently he was starving to death. Right? Now we use that term loosely. Man, I'm starving to death, man. What do you got to eat? I am starving to death, right? We get so hungry that we actually get angry. And what do we call it? Angry, right? I'm so hangry right now. I just need to eat something. So he comes in. You guys know the story. This is round two. It says in verse 20 now, now Jacob cooked a stew. He's a good cook. He's in the house all the time. He knew what spices just to use. As a matter of fact, when Esau came walking through, he goes, mmm, I can smell that walking in into, oh, that smells good. That smells good. Right? Ever do that? Ever when you go home and your wife is cooking something and you can smell it all the way in the drive? Whoa, we're going to have a good dinner tonight. I can smell those enchiladas in the oven. It is so good. It is so good. Now, be careful because back in the day, you know the Scentsy candles? They used to have certain smells. You'd put a little candle smell. You guys know what I'm talking about? I walked in the house one day. I thought we were having apple pie. It was a candle. Don't do that to me. I was like, wow, apple pie for, for dessert. No, it's just a scentsy candle. What a bummer. But anyways, back to our story, guys. Think about it. Here's what's going on, right? So, so Jacob cooks a stew. Esau comes in from the field, and he's tired. And Esau said to his brother Jacob, please feed me some of that red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as this day. And he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils, and he ate and drank a rose and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. So all of a sudden, this is round two. They're fighting. He comes in. Jacob deceitfully steals the birthright for a cup of soup, cup of stew. Esau didn't have the spiritual. He didn't care anything about that. What do I care? I'm about to die. Eh. And so now we come to round three, the stolen blessing. Round three. Now, we need to remember, guys, in our Bible study that God had already promised the older would serve the younger. God had already promised, okay? So we need to understand God had promised that this is it. He told Rebecca. Rebecca, I'm sure, told her husband God promised the younger is going to serve the older. How God's going to make that come about, that's up to him. Right, And I think we can learn a lesson from this. And you go, why? Because, guys, here's the thing. God's promises are ours to hold. How he's going to make that come about is up to him. Sometimes I want to manipulate. Sometimes I want to twist God's arm. Sometimes I want to cry, God, why are you doing this? Don't do this. God says, I've got this. I'm going to do it my way. I have learned if I'll take my hands off of what's going on, I'll see the glory of the Lord. Take my hands off of it. Lord, it's yours. It's yours. So we see that. We see that. That's his promise. One of the people is going to be stronger. We talked about that. The only problem is, listen to me, and you need to jot this down, Rebecca didn't trust the Lord. She didn't trust the Lord. She thought to herself, much like we do, I must help God out. I need to help God out. God, listen, listen, I know when, when the boys were little, they were, they were battling out in my tummy. I know you told me that the younger is going to serve the older. I mean, I get this, but listen, it's not going fast enough for me. Listen, I must help God out. And so she says that. 
right? Now, I'm calling this message driven by dysfunction. You see, for tonight in chapter 27, we're going to see a story. We're going to read a story. We're going to study a story about a dysfunctional family. Now, about this time, Isaac and Rebecca's boys are grown men. But resting and trusting in the Lord was farther than anyone could have imagined. See, this was both Isaac and Rebecca. They didn't trust. Listen, years later, after the promise of God, what does Isaac do? He's going to dig his heels in and say, no, no, no. No way I'm blessing the younger over the older. Not to mention that each parent had their favorites. Now, when I say favorites, I need to remind you that that doesn't mean that Isaac didn't love Jacob. No, Rebecca didn't love Esau. They loved their boys. You know that. You know how your heart loves your kids. But in our story, we see that there was favorites. There was favorites. Isaac says, nope, nope, nope. I know what you said, baby. Baby cakes, I know what the Lord, you thought the Lord told you, but I'm, I can't bless the younger. I've got to bless the older. It's the double portion. Do you understand me? And so he digs his heels in. Well, just on the other side of the tent, Rebecca loved Jacob. Esau was loved by Isaac. And she overheard a conversation, and she put a plan into action to help God out, even if it meant being manipulative and deceitful. Okay. If you look at chapter 27 as a whole, guys, this is a surface issue. This is a surface issue, because the real issue is a trust issue. Is a trust issue. You see, somehow this family lost trust in the living God. And I say that to us because I know that happens to us from time to time. Because life gets ugly, life gets messy, and we, we, we lose our trust in Jesus. We lose that he has our best interest in mind because nobody's had our best interest in mind. Now, I have to take care of myself. I need to be number one. And so we forget that the Lord Jesus, whom we gave our life to, loves us, and he has our best interest at heart, but we lost trust. These, these people lost trust. And you go, well, Ben, how did it happen? How did it happen? How did they lose trust? Well, I think, listen, over time, they began to see things through human eyes. You see, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways, but sometimes we look at, and this is how God should operate, the way I see it. And over the process of time, here's probably what happened. It's, it, 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 the process, it seemed like God was not interested in the details of our life, and so we begin to lose trust. You see, God, I haven't heard from you in a while. Listen, I spent my quiet time, but really my quiet time consists of maybe just a little bit here and there, but I haven't really heard from you. And so maybe you're not interested in the details of my life. You're not in tales of the intimate details of my life, and so trust begins to fade. Am I talking to anybody? You know what I'm talking about? That's, that's what happens. And so, and I, th- I thought about that. You go, well, Ben, that's really not what happened. But, but this is another thing that helps us to lose trust in the living God. You go, what's that? We misunderstand. Hello? We misunderstand an action and we blame God for not taking care of it or helping or not responding to our plea. 
How many times have we misunderstood what God is doing? We didn't see the full picture and it didn't happen the way we think it should happen. And what that does in our heart of hearts, guys, is that we feel like it breaks trust. We start to lose trust. You see, that's all it is. We have to go back, guys. We have to go back. We have to understand one thing so we can live in this world. We have to understand that we live in a wicked, ugly, dreadful world that Adam forfeited when he sinned. It fractured everything, and that's the world we've lived in. And because God loves us so much, he's given us a free will, a free will to choose and to love him and to walk with him. But we still live in an awful world. And the only way you overcome trust is if you walk close to Jesus and you truly, I mean, these, they, they, they've lost it. They've lost it. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a reason why, they, why there's a trust issue. The Bible doesn't say. But I thought for our application, I would want to do something. I want to give you something good. So I, I want to give you four practical ways to build your trust in God. These are things that we could do, something we can just really put into practice. You go, what is it? Number one, if you're taking note, guys, here it is, that you have to make a decision not to worry. You have to make a decision not to worry. Am I talking to anybody? The first step is simply making an intentional decision to trust God. Okay? It's so much easier said than done. I understand that. But the only way to trust, to truly trust God, is that you have to decide to trust God. So we have to make a decision, God, I trust you. I trust you. Ben, my life is falling apart. I trust you, God. Ben, the bills keep coming. We trust you, God. Ben, the doctor said, we trust you, God. We love life, but I don't want my life, I don't, I don't want to love my life down here so much that I, I don't want to go up there. You see, I want to realize that my life here, I'm just passing through. I'm just vacationing. I'm sojourning. My real home is heaven. My real home is heaven. So I have to learn to trust God. What's number two, Ben? Let me give you another one. Let me give you another a, a way you can build. Now, remember, it, it needs to build. Number two, you need to constantly monitor your thoughts and feelings. You need to constantly monitor your thoughts and feelings. In other words, you have to begin to train yourself to notice when you're falling into negative thought patterns. Take them captive and bring them to obey Christ. That's key. Why? I don't want to just give you a verse. I don't want to just give you a band-aid. Hey, bro, listen, take every thought captive. You'll be all right. No, we have to consciously go, oh, okay. Now, last week, we talked about boundaries. And sometimes there are negative people in our life that we have to love, but there has to be boundaries because what happens is that when I hang around negative people, when I hang around those that are living in Bummer City, when I'm hanging around those people, listen, it rubs off on me. Oh, I wish I could be the guy that says, I want to rub off on you. That's the goal. The goal is I want to rub Jesus off on you. I want, I want you to know that I'm happy and I'm blessed, but sometimes it's so. Why? Because there's multiple ways. You might have a friend that's negative. You watch the news and that's negative. 
You get on the internet, and that's negative. And then we have social media, and what does social media do? It's a lie. You have all of your friends on social media posting what wonderful stuff. I mean, it's, it, that's not the reality. We know that. But we get bummed. Oh, I wish I had that. And they good today. Whatever they post. It's a, that's not real. It's not real. What's real is when you go and you're able to talk to your sister. And you say, how are you doing? You okay? Because, guys, because we, we hide behind Facebook. We hide behind Instagram. We hide behind Snapchat. Now, again, we hide behind because we, we want, I don't know what we want. But we're losing relationships. I don't have time to get into social media, but you guys know, I mean, it's just, we, we got to be careful. But, but, but here's what we got to do. Ready? Constantly monitor your thoughts and your feelings. Is this from the Lord? Why? Because the devil is a liar. He's going he's gonna to throw in negative feelings. He's going to tell you your world is crumbling. He's going to tell you this and this and this and this and this and this and this. What we got to do is go, I don't know. I trust Jesus. I trust Jesus. Number three. Number three, I'm going to give you something good. Saturate your heart and mind with the word of God. Saturate your heart and your mind with the word of God. I was talking to Mel earlier today, and I said, Mel, do you like to read? Because he was noticing my library back there, and he goes, did you read all those books? I said, if, you, if I read all those books, I'd be awful smart. I have them. I try to read them. I reference them. But, and Mel says, Mel says, man, you know, I used to read a lot. I used to, you know, Mel was the guy that carried two big books on each side. And, and, and he said, but you know, I started reading the Bible, and I don't read those too much anymore. That's a good thing. Because saturation means you're in the Word of God. Now, study, read the Word of God. Now, there's other books that will help you. Amen. There's some good authors out there. Ooh, hallelujah. You get some good things, man. Some good things. But nothing like God's Word. Nothing like God's Word. How do we saturate our heart and our mind with the Word of God? Brother Gio and I talked about this the other day. Do you remember, Gio? We let the text read us. We let the text read us. Okay, what's going on? How is this applying to my life? I can read. I can read the Bible. I can read the Bible. Truth? Sometimes I read the Bible and I'm going, I don't even know what I'm reading. Because my, my mind is somewhere else. It really is. And I kind of feel like the Lord's sitting down going, really? Did, did you read that? I'm like, Yeah. Galatians, right, Lord? He's like, go get another cup of coffee, wake up, let's try this again. Because I missed all that God has for me. Listen to me, church, how can I just plead with you? Jesus is the most important relationship you'll ever have, and that's the least person we spend time with. We put Jesus off to go to the grocery store. We put Jesus on. I mean, you, you guys know where I'm going, right? And that's the most important. Listen, when I get to heaven, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm, I'm lost. Who are you? 
Oh, oh, wait, I mean, you, I want to, I want to know, man. Yeah, hey, that's Jeremiah. Yeah, that's your. Oh, okay. Oh, there's Delilah. Well, maybe Delilah's not there. You guys know what I'm talking about, you know. So, 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 saturate your heart and your mind with the Word of God. But number four, you ready? Replace the negative thoughts and feelings with the promises of God. I want to build trust. I need to replace those negative thoughts. The Bible tells us that we must have the mind of Christ. You know what I'm talking about? And here's what happens. Ready? Basically, garbage in, garbage out. Brother Joe, he takes care of those plants. <sighs> Beverly does too. She gets a little snippers. She, she prunes those puppies, man. She prunes those puppies. But here's the point. The point of if Joe didn't water and care and prune, they would die. Guys, it's the same thing. Whatever we're putting in is coming out. Pastor, what do you, what's your point? I have no idea. Let's go back to the text. Here it is. Replace negative thoughts and feelings with the promises of God. We need to replace those. We need to, we need to have the mind of Christ. We need to have discipline to have the mind of Christ. Guys, it just doesn't come. It just doesn't come. Four things that help us build trust. Well, we don't have trust in our story, but let's pick it up, okay? Because we've got to hurry. Um, since we have a lot to cover, let's just jump in in verse 1. You guys there? Genesis 27.1. Now, it came to pass when Isaac was old, his eyes were so dim that he could not see, and that he called Esau to his, his older son and said to him, My son. I don't know if he talked like that, but he's my son. And he answered, Here I am. Now, again, Martin Luther, guys, calculated that Isaac's age is 137. So put that in your Bible somewhere. The problem is, is he's going, I'm old. I'm, I'm old. I can't see. But the Bible says he's going to live another 43 years. So, I mean, he's going to live to what? To be 180. He's going to live to be 180. <laughs> Funny story. The other day I was thinking, I met somebody at the gym that had been married 60 years. I was like, Wow. I've been married over 30. She married 60. They're in their 80s. And so I thought, well, if I lived, let's see, if I get, you know, 20 more years, I mean, about 20. And then I thought, no, 80 is pretty good. I think I'll be all right. And I said, no, I'm going to live to 100 so we can have an 80-year marriage. And I thought, I don't know if I want to live to 100. Isaac's 180. He's 180. Now, you want to know something that blows your mind? This is not very encouraging to your parents in here. You go, what's that? The boys are 77 years old, and they're fighting. Right? Act your age, not your shoe size. Come on, you're 77 years old, and they're fighting. They're fighting. So, Isaac thinks he's at death's door, calls on Esau to bless him. Then he said, behold, now I'm old, and I don't know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt some game for me. And make me a savory food as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Spoiler alert. Isaac has become a foodie, hasn't he? 
He used to be a faithy. Now he's a foodie. Hey, before I die, give me one last meal. Give me one good. Oh, can't wait. I don't know I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm going, wow. And he says, do it, and then I will bless you. Now, here's what you need to know. You need to understand that the blessing that he's going to give, you can write this down. These are material blessings, not spiritual blessings. Understand that. He's going to bless them materially. Okay? So, here's what we need to notice. Isaac loved and favored Esau, apparently ignoring the facts that he bartered his birthright and then he married heathen women. Dad's overlooking a few things, isn't he? Dad's kind of going, oh, boys will be boys. He's 77 years old. (laughs) Yeah, but come on. Come on, he's he's a hunter. Ain't nothing like a good filet mignon on the table. Nothing like good. Man. Dad, your boys will see your heart. So, Ben, I have a question. What's the difference between the birthright and the blessing? Well, Esau already sold his birthright. If you're taking note, it's B-E-K-H-O-R-A in Hebrew. It's Bekorah, Bekorah, B-E-K-H-O-R-H. And he, that's considered the birthright, okay? The blessing is spelled differently. It's B-E-R-A-K-H-A-H, Barakha. Right? Barakha. Right? And it's closely related. It's almost like the birthright, but the birthright specifies property and wealth passed from a generation to another. So the birthright is like, here's, here's the wealth passed as the firstborn. Now, Jacob already stole this and it's irrevocable. The blessing focuses on future wealth and prosperity more profoundly seen in receiving Yahweh's covenant blessings, okay? So he's not only going for just, hey, well, this is going to transfer over. This is what you get for being my son. This is the inheritance. He says, man, this is, the blessing is so much more. And that's what he's talking about right here. Future wealth and prosperity, not only for you, but your descendants and your descendants and your descendants. Now, I want you to note the dysfunction, verse 5. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. Can I just stop right there? What was she doing? Help me out, church. Thank you. Eavesdropping. Eavesdropping. And you know what the Bible says about eavesdropping. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't we get in trouble eavesdropping? I mean, we can't help it. We go to a, we go to a, a restaurant and you look over, the, you don't know the people next door and you're just like, hey, did you hear what they said? They're breaking up. (laughs) Or whatever you're listening to. Man, Rebecca's going to, listen, Rebecca's going to get in trouble for eavesdropping. Why? Check it out. Note his dysfunction. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. So Esau went into the field to hunt game and bring it back. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I have heard your father speak to Esau. Your brother said, Bring me some game and make me some savory food that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Does anybody ever, did, did you even realize that 
Her husband thinks he's going to die and she's not really concerned with that. I mean, she didn't come in going, are you dying? Do you need a cup of water? What? She's not even concerned with that. Rebecca, what happened? Oh, no, she's saying, listen, this is what I heard. And here's what you need to do. Now, my son, obey my voice. Verse 8. According to what what I command you, go to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of goats. And I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, and he may eat it, and he may bless you before he dies. Wow. I mean, can you see this, guys? Mom is going to try to help God out. God already said the younger is going to serve. The younger is going to have the blessing. We already see that. He already promised that, but mom's like, nah, I don't know if God's really in this. I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do. But God doesn't need our help, does he? She's going to make a mess of things. So what do you have? Well, you have a declining father. I'm going to die. You have a doubting mother. God can't, you can't do this. And now you have a deceiving son. But what I love about Jacob for just a moment is he does have doubts and reservations. Why? Because he doesn't look anything like a rug. Just seeing if you're paying attention, right? He has no hair. He's smooth skin, Right? He doesn't smell like the field. He doesn't smell like hunting. He puts on aftershave. He smells good. He's got some cologne on. You know, he's, he's, and, and, and so he's like, he's got some, he's got some reservations, right? But in verses 11 through 17, Rebecca answers all of Jacob's reservations. How? To, to scheme by offering to take the curse that might follow if Jacob discovers the, the deception. Okay? So she's like, son, don't worry about it. Now, but mom, I have a problem. Notice verse 17. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. And I am smooth skin. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And he shall bring a curse on me, on myself, and not a blessing. What is he talking about curses? Guys, listen. In the, in the East, the curses were considered very powerful if they had divine support. We know that it does. Amen? We learned that Rebecca's promise is that she would take the curse on herself is a very serious matter. In other words, she would be taking on the opposite of the covenant promises. In other words, la- a lack of divine support. In other words, she whatever he was going to bless her with, it would be actually opposite. She goes, I'll take it. If you get busted, I'll take it. Rebecca, that's, that's a sign of dysfunction, mom. Notice, but his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. What would have been a better rendering here, church? Moms, only obey the Lord. Let's pray. Not my voice, obey God's voice. Go out and get them for me. So Jacob went out. He brought them to his mother. His mother made savory food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes from her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, put them on Jacob, her younger. 
She put the skins of the kids of the goats on the hands on the smooth part of his neck. She gave savory food and bread, which she had prepared, into the hands of her Jacob. Now, your attention, please. She obviously thought about this. She wasn't just going, oh, my goodness, I didn't know this. She was, had been thinking about this, right? Because she said, go get me. Okay, you're going to need to get me some uh, 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 two kids, uh, goats, okay? And we're going to make some good food. And, and then I'm going to take the skin and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to super glue them on you. So that way, if your dad touches you, he'll think he'll be touching Esau. I'm like, wow. Will she get away with it? Look at verse 18. So Jacob went to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you? My son. And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. And I have, done, I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. Guys, if you have a pencil handy, here's what I want you to put next to verse 18. Lie. He just lied. What did he lie about it? He said, I'm Esau. That's the first lie. I have done just what you told me. That's the second lie. Please eat of the game. That's the third lie that you may bless me. You go, Pastor, what's the point? Although we're going to see Jacob radically transform in the next few chapters, right here, he's a liar. He's a liar. And the Bible says for you and I, don't lie. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Speak the truth in love. Why? Because you never have to remember the truth. But when you lie, you're always thinking, did I tell you that? Did I lie? Did my, 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 I don't know. Man. And Colossians specifically says, don't lie. Don't lie to one another. Tell each other the truth. That's hard for us to do. It's hard, to, it's, it's hard not to lie to somebody you love because oftentimes when you lie, you're trying to spare them from hurting their feelings. That's the hard part. Jacob, he's just doing what his mama said. I want the blessing. Let's get her done. But Isaac is a smart man. And he said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? Well, that's because mom had it in the pan. He said, check it out. Ready? You guys see that? Verse 20. Because the Lord, your God, brought it to me. I always look at interesting words like that because he doesn't say the Lord, our God, the Lord, God. Dad, the Lord, your God. The dude, 77 years old, been living in what supposedly should be a godly home. And we can honestly say he's probably not saved right here. The Lord, your God. Well, pastor, that's not what it means. Okay, well, let's go on. Because the Lord, your God, brought it to me. That's another lie, isn't it? And Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you. My son, whether you are really my son, Esau, or not. Do do you think dad's like, this doesn't sound right. I'm getting some some mixed. He doesn't sound like Esau. Because I don't think he would have done that if Esau had showed up. I don't think he would have said, let me touch you, son. But something's not right. He's going, okay, okay, let me feel. Man, I bet you Jacob was sweating, don't you think? He's probably like, boom, 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 boom. Dad's going to bust me, I'm telling you. So Jacob went near Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, 
the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize them because the hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. Oh, yuck. Not only was he a rug, I mean, he's like, you know. And so he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game and that my soul will bless you. So he brought so he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought wine and he drank. Then his father then his father Isaac said to him, "Come now, come near now and kiss me, my son." And he came and he kissed him and the smell of his clothing and blessed him and he said, "Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed." He says, "Man, you smell like Listen, you feel like Esau?" You smell like Esau. You don't sound like him. Hmm. As believers, church, I believe God gives us the Holy Spirit in our lives so that so that he lets us know when something isn't right. And often trust the Holy Spirit. The world will say, trust your gut. Trust your gut. You have a gut feeling. But trust the Holy Spirit. Something's not right. Now, apart from our story, I mean, this happens to us all the time. There are things that are happening. and We go, man, we, I need to, I just, I, something's not right. Trust what God is doing in your life and trust. Because it'll do a couple of things. Number one, you go, Lord, I need to, I need to inquire of you. What's going on? How do we inquire of the Lord, guys? Make sure we're praying and we're fasting. God will show us. Right? And when we pray and fast, then at least we can address it and we can pray through it. We might have to step back and go, okay, God, you, you, you're working through this. Or we might have to address it and move and take care of it. Isaac can't see. His eyes are dim. He can't see. But something's not right. You smell like Esau. You, you, you feel like Esau. You brought food. But your voice is Jacob's. I guess it's Esau. So what does he do? Isaac is convinced it's Esau, so he blesses Jacob. Look at verse 28. Therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. Let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And be blessed. And blessed be those who bless you. That's the same promise God gave Abraham, wasn't it? Do you remember? Almost word for word. Well, what's he talking about? Well, he says, therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven. Guys, this is a metaphor, and it speaks of material abundance and crops in turn, the ability to sustain large numbers of domestic, domesticated livestock. In a region where rainfall was sparse, right, dew was vital in sustaining life. So he says, man, he's blessing him. He's blessing him. The dew of heaven, may you be blessed. And I could imagine Jacob right about here, right? He's, he's deceiving. It's dysfunction. He's, and he's receiving the blessing. And so we get that Isaac thinks he's blessing his firstborn son, right, Esau. We, 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 we get that. 
But Jacob is now stealing his blessing. And the one thing we need to learn, guys, is once you bless someone, it stands. There are no takebacks. Isaac can't go, uh-uh. I take it all back. You deceived me. Once he blessed, he blessed. Right? Look at verse 33 real quick. Because it says, Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought me? I ate, ate all of it before you came, and, and I have blessed him. Notice, and indeed he shall be blessed. There's no takebacks. There's no takebacks. Well, the story doesn't end there. Why? Because Esau's coming home. Verse 20, verse 30. Now, it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. He also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to the father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that, that your soul may bless me. And his father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? He said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled exceedingly. Right here, the jig is up. He gets, he, I mean, think about it, guys. Wow. He said, I blessed him. And when Esau, verse 34, heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, me also, oh, my father. Now, I want you to make a note, guys. I want you to make a note. Hebrews chapter 12, 16 and 17 says this about Esau. He says, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, notice, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You go, Pastor, what, what, what's the point? I want you to jot that down somewhere, and here's why. Because when it comes to Esau, Esau was not a man. He was, he was what Paul called in, in 1 Corinthians, carnal, the natural man. He was walking in the flesh. And even when he got busted, even when he was deceived, he didn't repent and serve God. He simply wanted the blessing. So even, guys, even the natural man, when he gets busted, when things happen, the purpose is so that they could repent and come to know the Lord Jesus. But oftentimes the natural man will say, no, I see, I just want my stuff. I just want my material things. I want, I want, and I want. What about the Christian? What about you and I? Guys, when God does a work in our hearts and he and, and, and we get convicted or we get busted or we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, that's a beautiful thing because God loves us so much. But his point is repentance. He wants us to live the life that he wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live a life that's so apart from him. The Bible says the sin, your sin shall find you out. And we always take it in. Oh, your sin will find you out. But that's a good thing if your sin finds you out because it gives you an opportunity to come clean and repent and deal with the issue. You see, the problem is, guys, is that you and I, we have been taught all of our lives that once we give our life to Jesus, that we have to live this perfect, amazing, I mean, 
we have to be so perfect in our lives in our lives that we can't mess up or we don't mess up or we don't have any issues and that's that can be farther from the truth because if that were the truth then why did Jesus need to go to the cross and when I look at my issues and I look at the things that I've got to deal with and I look at how I got to deal with this, I go back to the cross and I say, thank you for the cross because I know my salvation is secure in the cross, but I still know that my sanctification, I have to work some things out. And so when God says, hey, boom. The one thing that I want to point out to you guys, so, so imperative, and it actually happened this week, is that we got to make sure that we don't, we're not living on a works mentality. A works for salvation. You go, well, Ben, I'm not living for a works of salvation. But sometimes we, we do a works for, to find favor in God. God, I'll work for you. I'll do worship. I'll teach the Bible. I'll do this. I'll do mission trips. I'll do this. I'll do this because I want you to look down and smile and then bless me. And bless me with good stuff, God. We, we, but here's the point. The point is, is God... Ah, oh, it happened this week, okay? I was at the grocery store on Monday. I was talking to the lady. She had a Jesus t-shirt. I said, hey, I love your t-shirt, you know, making conversation while they, they do the deli. And she's like, oh, yeah, I love the t-shirt. And she shows me her phone and bless it. You know, it's so cool and Proverbs thing on her phone. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So I'm standing there, right? And, and so I said, well, where do you go to church? And she mentioned the church. She had been going to this church for 20 years. And then she, pre- she proceeds to tell me, she's been going to this church for 20 years, and then she tells me basically that her mom had just passed. Oh, I'm sorry. And she said, my brother got mad at me. Why'd your brother get mad at you? Because I know where mom is going. I know that she had forgiveness, and, and I'm going to go see her soon. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. You're gonna, you know, amen. And I'm sitting there. And then she said, and so I told my brother, if you'll just go to church, Try to live right, be good, you'll get to see mom again. And that's where my heart sank. Because I realized that she didn't fully understand the gospel. I go, man, Lord, I I know my church understands the gospel. Because he could live right, he could go to church, he could do all of these things and still not know you. You see, the gospel... The gospel is so powerful that we already know we're saved. And I can't live, I can't live very good, to be honest with you. I can't try. I mean, I can go for a while. I need Jesus. I need him to help me. I need him to help me pray for my wife. I need him to help me communicate with my wife. I need him to help me intercede for my wife. I need him to help me put a message together. I need him Brother Joe asked me the other day, he said, do you get nervous? And I said, I always get nervous coming up here. You go, but Ben, you've been teaching the Bible three times a week for 16 years. But here's how I look at it. I look at it that if I don't get nervous, then I'm doing it in my flesh. And I don't want to do it in my flesh. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. God, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to say something. You're going to have to work through me. So Esau, what did he do? Back in our text, he sought the blessings with tears and yet found no place for real repentance for his sins. Remorse? Yeah. But not sincere repentance. He was sorry for what he had lost, but not sorry for what he had done. 
Verse 35, but he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Busted, can't be trusted. That's Jacob. He's busted, man. And Esau said, he is not rightly named Jacob, for he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. Is that true? Can I get an amen? That's true. That's true. What we need to grasp from this church, okay? Let this sink deep in your heart. When God does a work, whether bringing out our sin so we can repent, when we get busted, listen, make sure you don't just simply blame others. Jacob is doing exactly what they did in the garden. Adam sat there, busted. Um, was the woman you gave me, Lord? Wait a minute, dude, time out. Just a few minutes ago, you were singing poetry. Uses my flesh and my flesh. Look at her. Wow. Woo. Right? And then he gets busted with sin. He's like, man, it's that woman. It's that, I don't know what you did, Lord. <laughs> How quickly we turn, right? And then the Lord's like, okay, I'll deal with you later, dude. Because you weren't even where you were supposed to be. Anyways, Eve, what were you doing? It's the snake. You have a habit of talking to snakes, do you? You see, it's the blame game. And what we need to learn, guys, what we need to learn is through the power of the Holy Spirit as he begins so lovingly to convict, not bring guilt, and we need to take responsibility and say, amen. Yeah, Lord, I was wrong. Don't blame others. You see, that's, that's, kind of what, that's kind of what's going on in the world today, is it not? We're blaming other people. Well, why are you like that? Well, you don't understand. Well, help me understand. Well, my mom, she pinned my diaper too tight. When I was a baby, and so now this is... You, you see, we, we want to do that. But let's not blame. Let's take responsibility. Let's take responsibility. Okay, amen. Yeah, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Esau, yeah, it's Jacob. Yep, he's done this every time. Well, I'm sorry. Did Jacob really just, did, did Jacob really, I mean, all he did is make stew. That was on you, dude. That was on you. And because you weren't living a godly life, listen, you married two heathen women. You knew that God said, don't do this. And what did you do, Esau? Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. I can do whatever I want to, God. And God's like, no, you don't understand. They're going to turn your heart away from serving me. And he didn't care. He didn't care. He says, hey, look, look, look. He's taking away the blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren have given him as servants with grain and wine, and I have sustained him. What shall I do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me. Me also, my father. Bless me. Bless me. And Esau Esau lifted up his voice, and he wept. Then Isaac, 
his father answered and said, Behold, your dwelling shall be in the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you should break his yoke from your neck. From the fatness of the land, though Isaac cannot repeat the same blessing, his blessing of Esau contains the elements of Jacob. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And he says, he says this. By your sword, Isaac's prophecies prophesies the Edomites are destined to live by looting and plundering. And we see that later on. They'll actually go on. You know what the sad part about this is? Later on, Jacob's going to run away. Esau's coming to meet him. Jacob is terrified. We'll get to that in a little bit. Not tonight, obviously. And Jacob is to- and, and Esau's totally stoked because he's been blessed materially. He's like, hey, I've, I've forgiven you because I've got all this stuff. I've got all of these. Look at my wives. Look. And, and, he, and that's all he really wanted. That's just sad. You go, well, Ben, how can we apply this before we finish up with the last few verses? Well, Warren Wearsby wrote it like this, and, and he said, listen, think about this with application in mind, okay? He wrote this, quote, sin in the heart or sin in the home always brings heartache and misunderstanding. He said, had Isaac and Rebecca not taken sides with their two boys, had they continued to pray about matters as they, as in their early married life, there you go, sister, feathers, they, they would have prayed about it. Had they allowed God to have his way, then affairs would have been different. As it was, all of them suffered because of their unbelief and disobedience. We never get too old to be tempted or to fail. End quote. That's what Warren Wiersbe writes. And I thought, isn't that true? Isn't that true? Here's what we need to do in a practical way. See your hands. Take your hands off what God is going to do. Lord, I don't want, you've got this. Wrap your hands around the promises of God and hide them in your heart, but take your hands off what he's doing. Take your hands off what he's doing. Don't manipulate the promises. Well, we need to finish up these last verses, okay? So Isaac, or so Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning my father at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older brother, son, told, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, your younger son, and said, surely your brother Esau can confront, or comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. But mom, you did this. Your brother's mad. He's going to kill you. Well, what should I do now, mom? Therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him. Uh, Notice, what's that word, guys? A few days. Everybody say that. A few days. Until your brother's fury turns away. A few days. And he forgets what he what you have done to him. Not we, you. And then I will send and bring you bring you from there. Why should I be betrothed also of both of you in one day? Okay. 
Note, because Rebecca did this, because she didn't have her trust in the Lord, because she took matters in her own hand, do you realize a few days turned into 20 years and she would never see her son Jacob again? How is she going to get away with this? How is she going to get away with this? Dad's already steamed. So what does he say? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because the daughters of Heth, if Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters in the land, what good will my life be to me? In other words, your boy Esau already took foreign heathen women. I can stand it if Jacob did that too. And if Jacob took heathen women, forget it. I might as well not even live. That's the way she got Jacob to go, or Isaac to go along with sending Jacobo away for a few days. And we're going to close our study with this, guys. There's dysfunction in the Bible. I just want to tell you, in the body of Christ, it's dysfunctional as well. You need to know that. That's probably one of the reasons we have churches upon churches upon churches upon churches. But what I love is that God loves a dysfunctional family. He loves us. And although we get in the flesh like the church at Corinth, although we try to sue our brother for gain, although we're doing things sexually, immorally, he still loves us. And oftentimes you've heard people say, well, why doesn't God just, why didn't he just, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, why didn't he just wipe them out and start over? Why didn't, you know, why is it, why is it? And again, because, he, because his love is so great for us, guys, that he realizes that his family right now is dysfunctional. But it doesn't have to be. Because he gave us his word and he says, if you'll follow my word and you'll be obedient to my spirit. Imagine a world where you and I would just, we're obedient to God's word. And we don't have to lie or manipulate or cheat or be deceitful. Because our trust is a trust in the living God who loves us and cares for us and has everything we ever need and will take care of us till the day we die. Pastor, I have to do my part because, right? I have to do my part because God helps those who help themselves. No. That's an old wives' tale. God helps me. Because I'm his kid. And he loves me. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord, that we read about dysfunction and yet you love us. And just like the worship team saying, oh, how you love us, Lord. And sometimes I believe, Lord, that we forget how much you love us. How powerful you really are. How 
Lord, I, I don't even know the word, how on a micro level, a macro level, how just intelligent you are. And how you see our lives from beginning to the end. Lord, may we grasp the promises of you and hide them deep in our heart. And may we get our hands off the work that you're doing at our, at our jobs, at our schools, in our family, in our relationships. May we, just, may we trust you. May we trust you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.